Well, good morning, Dorisville family. What a great pleasure it is to be with you today. Uh, my name is Mark. This is uh, Karen sitting up front. And uh, we are your IMB missionaries serving in Brazil. It is a distinguished honor for us to have the privilege of being with you today and letting you know the joy we feel in knowing the love, the support, the prayers of this church, churches like this church across the Southern Baptist Convention, supporting 3,700 fellow Southern Baptists serving around the world. And it's because of commitments like the commitment of this church to Great Commission Advance that that is possible. So I bring to you this morning greetings from Dr. Paul Chitwood, the president of the International Mission Board, 3,700 Southern Baptists serving around the world. We want to express to you on behalf of each and every one of those missionaries the gratitude that we feel for the support that churches like this church gives to the cause of Christ. This church is making a difference. Your prayers offerings, your involvement are a vitally important part of what it means to make God's name known among the nations. And so it's in light of that today I'd like to talk with you about uh, an important subject, and that is the question you're looking at today, this whole question of the connection between revival and missions, and discipleship. Now we're going to be meditating extensively on Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, but I'd like, to, I'd like to start by reading to you a verse of Scripture regularly uh, referred to by Dr. Chitwood. He actually says that this verse of Scripture is the vision text of the International Mission Board. So when you think about the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention, you ask yourself the question, uh, what is it that we desire to see accomplished by praying for missions, giving to missions, being involved in missions in all manners and all capacities? What is it that we desire to see accomplished? Uh, Dr. Chitwood always directs our attention to Revelation chapter 7, and allow me to read to you verse 9. After this, I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, and they were standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Now, the book of Revelation was written for one primary purpose. No, it was not just to tell you about the future or even the immediate future. That's not the primary purpose. It is to encourage you about what will always be the final result. Amen. Amen. It's to encourage you about what will be the final result. Always remembering when this text was written, God's people were in a very, very small, persecuted minority. It was right before there was this tremendous outbreak of what would be some of the most severe persecution that the Christian church had encountered. They needed to be encouraged. The 
encouragement is God wins. God wins. Now that's the encouragement. Now that is not to say anything about the, the ups and the downs that's going to get us to the point where God wins. There could be perhaps an infinite amount of varieties of challenges we might face getting from where we're, we are at now to where God says one day we will all be. But this is where we are moving towards. Now the real question for us as we look at God's word today, and I would direct your attention now to the text we'll be looking at in Matthew's gospel, a very familiar text there, Matthew 28 and verses 18 and following. The question now becomes, now if this is the if this is the end of history, history is, is moving in this direction, and that is not a theoretical possibility, it's not an abstract idea, it is a certain conviction, certain things inevitably and certainly will happen because God is moving to accomplish those things. And what we know as Bible-believing Baptists, Bible-believing Christians, is that in the end of all that God desires to accomplish will be accomplished by the redemption of the nations before the throne of God. The world, the history of this world, this universe ends in worship. Amen. This is where it's all going. Now the question for us becomes this. What will be the means by which we get where we're at right now, with all of the ups and the downs and the problems and the challenges, how will we get from where we find ourselves at this moment to where we know God intends to take us? Now, as you answer that question, this church family will have a very clear understanding of just what is God's mission for the Doorsville Baptist Church? You will have a very clear understanding of what is God's mission for your life and for your family, for your marriage. When the young people ask the question, like, what am I supposed to be doing with my life that matters? Well, you're, you're going to get the answer. Uh, what matters is anything that contributes to what God says this is where we're going. Amen. Now, the, what a mission gives God's people is clarity. Uh, this is a great country. I have been gone for almost 30 years. I love to come back. It's a great country. I couldn't say enough nice things about the United States of America. But this is a really easy place to get lost. This is a really easy place to get confused. This is a really easy place to lose yourself in the midst of everything. Amen. Because of a lack of vision. Because of clarity of mission. You don't know exactly what to say yes to. You don't know what to say no to. So the value of what we're looking at today is this provides for God's people direction. What is important? Where are we going? Now, the text that tells us how we just cut through the clutter and get direction for who we are as God's people in this local church, we find that in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. And allow me to read it then to you. Then Jesus came near and said to them, 
All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Just another way of saying what I'm getting ready to tell you. It doesn't matter whether it sounds crazy or off the charts difficult to imagine it ever being accomplished. The promise is, no one said the mission was small. The mission is big, but the God who is behind it is bigger. Now that's the whole point, right? That no one said it's a small mission Doorsville ought to be accomplishing. No one said that. No one said, oh, it's an easy mission. There's nothing to it. No, it is a, it's a big mission. It's a big challenge. It's a big world. We're facing unprecedented times. But it is an even bigger God that lies behind it. Amen. Embrace who is your God. You have to have a vision of who God is. The very size of who your God is determines the confidence and the direction you have in your life. Amen. Now, he says, I have all authority. All right. I mean, well, what's he going to be using it for? That's the question. Now, all right, well, where, where are you going with all this ability to get something accomplished? Verse 19, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, what does it mean to make disciples of all nations? Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Remember, I am with you always, even to the very end of the ages. Now, as we think about the passage that is before us today, I, I want you to think about what we're going to look at as we connect God's mission, God's vision, with the process by which we will get from where we are at to where God wants us to be. Now, as we think about the International Mission Board, the International Mission Board is committed to that Revelation 7-9 vision. Southern Baptist churches that support the International Mission Board are committed to this Revelation 7-9 vision. Now, I, I want, this is what we're going to do. I want to just, first I want to challenge you with a reality. This is a reality that we are challenging Southern Baptists all across the United States of America with a challenge. Now the challenge is this. In five years, the International Mission Board is challenging Southern Baptists to appoint an additional 500 new international missionaries. Now, once more, I've asked Pastor Brent this question, but I'm going to ask you again. Of those 500 missionaries, where are they coming from? Local churches just like this local church. Now, that's not 500 missionaries we're just going to pick up off the streets and send to the other. It's from local churches just like your, this church right here. Now, that immediately begins that we have to start asking a question. Doorsville Baptist Church positioned to be a partner in training and deploying some of that five, those 500 missionaries? Now that's a good question. Only you know the answer to that one. I, I, I'm not quite certain. But now that's the challenge. 500 new Southern Baptist missionaries and they, I'm going to just tell you right now, the best ones are the young ones. 
you're uh, 15, 15 to 35, what's God telling you to do with your life? When was the last one someone told you, have you ever thought about being a missionary? Well, like, if it's not going to be you, let me ask you a serious question. Well, who is it going to be? I mean, if it's not you, if it's not your child, if it's not your grandchild, well, who do you think those 500 are going to be? Where are they going to be coming from? No, you need to ask yourself, is God equipping me? Is he calling me to be a part of that 500 who are going to be deploying to the nations, supported by gospel-faithful churches, just like this church has been faithful in supporting international missions for so long. Now, 500 new missionaries is the challenge that is being placed before Southern Baptists. Now, the challenge I'm going to face with you to challenge with you today is at the end of this message, and I didn't say this clearly enough this morning, first session. I want to make sure we say it right now, Pastor Brent. I'm going to challenge you with three commitment questions. Uh, do you have someone speaking truth into your life? Because to become a disciple, you're going to have to have someone talking to you. Number two, do you have a friend walking beside you that you can have ongoing heart-to-heart discipleship, relationship? And number three, are you investing your life in someone else? Now, Pastor Brent at the very end, I'm not going to say much more than what I'm saying now, but Pastor Brent's going to be up here. And at the end of this message, if the Lord is speaking to you about praying, because you know one of the first things you need to do when you think about those three questions is this. Have I prayed about that? Have I even sought God's will about someone to mentor me, someone to walk with me, and for me to invest in the life of someone else? And if you're here today saying, I have no idea how I'd respond to that. Well, maybe the first step, Pastor Brent, is to just pray about it. Amen. If Pastor Brent's here and you want to pray with him, that's great. If there's so many of you who want to pray, pray with me too. And if, and if it's more than what Pastor Brent and I can pray about, well, we're going to bring more deacons and others. We're going to pray with, but don't leave here if you're thinking in your heart, I need to pray about that. Amen. Well, let's, let's pray about it. Let's talk with Jesus about it. Why is that? All right, because of the following. Now, we know that revival is essential. Now, we just know that, right? We know that. But to get from, from where we are, you don't start with revival. You see, you don't just say, now God, revive us. The reason for that is simply stated. God calls us in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, to make disciples. You make disciples. Now, revival is a consequence of discipleship. It is not the cause of discipleship. We need to understand that. Many people are saying, America needs revival. Who possibly is going to argue against that? Who possibly would say, well, I don't think so. I think we're just doing real fine. No, we know we need revival. But you don't seek revival. Revival is a consequence of gospel faithfulness. It's a consequence of discipleship. You say, we're going to do the basics. My, there's a young man here. He is my nephew. We're proud of this boy. I, he knew, I, I write him. I said, you, you're the lead of our family. You and your, your cousin. You're going to take us forward to this next generation. He's a coach. Yep. Right? You're going to do best. You're going to do the basics. Gentlemen, that's what Vince Lombardi said. Gentlemen, this is a football. Right? <laughs> this is a football. That's how he started out. With the best 
professional players around us. The basics. Friends, churches must focus on the basics. The, cost, the most important thing for the Dorsville Baptist Church, commitment to discipleship. Make disciples. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. It starts there. Now what God wants to do with that. After that, it's God's work. But I can tell you this. No discipleship, no revival. No revival, no missions. It's just that simple. That's just the way God works in history. Now the question you need to be asking yourself as a church, where do we find ourselves now? It's great to be a mission-supporting church. I, you already know I'm grateful for it. Don't stop. It's not enough. It's great to be seeking revival. It's important. Don't stop. It's not enough. What are you doing to disciple the next generation? Yep. That's the question that is before us. That is the heart of the Great Commission. Disciple them. Teach them everything. Now this means that oftentimes genuine revival begins in what appears to be very small and inconsequential ways. To be a disciple is just to be a student of a teacher. And for us it means we were students, we're followers of the greatest of all rabbis, the eternal Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this sounds simple. You're just going, seriously, we've heard this you're not the first one to preach in this church about the importance of it. Every generation, every decade, every year, every Sunday has got to commit itself to the basics. Amen. The most basic of all things is the Great Commission. It sounds simple. It sounds inconsequential. But its impact is eternal. None of us are going to be preaching the gospel or being involved in missions just by some accident that occurred. We all have our stories. Amen. My story just started as one boy, normally one boy, on Saturday afternoons, not even Sunday morning, Saturday afternoons in a little small country church out in the middle Fort Creek bottoms of Franklin County. That is the exact location. Uh, you could watch the floodwaters creep their way across the fields in the springtime as the floods were actually just coming in there and just flooding that Middle Fork Creek bottom. That's where I started. I was one boy. I had an uncle who said, I think it's important that I take time to talk with this young fellow about missions. That's how I got started. Amen. There is no such thing as an inconsequential commitment to discipleship. There is no such thing as investing yourself in the lives of others, making disciples, that you say, well, that wasn't a good investment of my time. I would say, to the contrary, that is the only wise investment of your time. Amen. Now, something bigger, something grander is before us. You say, yes, that's what I want. Well, then, to see God at work, never forget this important scripture, Zechariah 4.10, who has despised the days of small beginnings? Maybe you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, what, what, Pastor, what could I do? Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Amen. Do something. Amen. 
Don't, there is no shortage of the need for servants here at the Dorisville Baptist Church. Committing themselves to discipling others. Do not despise the days of small beginnings. Bible school, Sunday school, missions education, personal discipleship. Small things matter in God's economy. Discipleship might look like small things, yet there's never been a genuine revival. There's never been genuine, without genuine discipleship, always already having occurred. Now, what I want to talk with you this morning real quick now, slide three if you would, is I want to just say briefly three basic things we want to talk about. Now, what is a revival, spiritual awakening? How can I position myself to be a more effective disciple and what am I going to do about it? Now, when we get to the what am I going to do about it, I'm going to pass the word over to Pastor Brent. And I do want to ask you, if God's speaking to you today, I, I, I plead with you. At least pray about some of these things. And pray publicly so people can pray with you. I want to pray with you. I want to pray. I want more discipleship makers, Pastor Brent. I mean, we need, this is great commission work, is making disciples. You start here in Harrisburg, you go to southern Illinois, you go to all around Illinois, all around the U.S., you go to the ends of the earth, but it's the same thing. Make disciples of all peoples. Now, it comes from a heart that has been deeply touched by the gospel. Now, where does this all begin? Well, I like to... Now, we, look, we can make this complicated. I, I, I teach a whole lot about this kind of stuff. I could get about as complicated as you want here. Or we can just pretty well keep it simple. As I tell folks, I'm a Southern Illinois University graduate. I like to keep my stuff simple. So what is revival? Well, the first thing revival is this. Revival is not singing in a certain way. It's not packing out a stadium. It's not bringing in a special speaker. It's not having buses. It not, it's that. Those are the outward manifestations, but that's not revival. You can, go, you can do all of those things and not have a revival. Yep. Uh, re- revival, the first thing is this. Revival is when God gets big in the eyes of his own people. That's what revival, when, when God gets big in the eyes of his own people, Isaiah 6, 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, the king, I saw the Lord. I saw the king. Amen. That's what he said. He said, in the year that King Uzziah, and King Uzziah was a very important, well-respected, highly significant leader. And you know what the people of Israel were thinking? Oh, now we're in trouble now. We've lost a great leader. He's been with us forever. Isaiah said, when we were at the bottom, right, at the bottom of the barrel, faced with opposition and conflict from outside threats, the king was dead. We're going, oh, now, now what's going to happen? What, where, where, who's going to save us? Isaiah said, in the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the king. I saw the Lord, and he was, he was high, and he was lifted up, and he was highly exalted. He said, that is my God. I saw him when I was desperate, and I thought there was no hope. I was without any direction, and I saw God, and he was what? He was great, and he was glorious. And I ask you the question, who is your God? Who is he? Now, 
First commandment, Ten Commandments. I hope you're teaching your kids the Ten Commandments. Uh, Thou shalt not have any other gods before thee. Now, as you're processing this first point, the real question I, I would ask, the simplest way to answer whether your God's big or not is, is just think about this. Think about this question. Then after that, I want to repeat. Maybe what you need to do during a time of reflection and prayer, maybe you need to come forward and pray a little more with some folks here. I thought about that question. I think I need a bigger God in my life. All right, here's the question. Amen. Is your God bigger than your fears? Yeah. Is your God, now, to be honest, just be honest, just be honest. How big are your fears? What's really eating you up right now? We've been through some hard times, folks. This is the hard times. I have been in a place, it's hard time. I can tell you some tragic and sad stories. I understand what it is to be afraid of things. I understand very well what it means to be afraid. I have seen many people pass away, young people. I've got bad, bad, I have bad, I've seen bad, I have seen bad things. I know many, many things that have happened. Now the question always becomes, is my God bigger than my fears? Yeah. Now when you answer that question, who is my God? Revival begins to grow because our God is nothing less than that God, the God of Revelation 7, 9, big enough to rule and to reign and direct and to guide all of history towards this culmination in which what happens? Worship. Amen. Worship happens. Amen. What are ups and downs and pandemics and martyrdom and, and, and persecution and marginalization, all of this stuff you're just going, dude, this is the worst thing imaginable. The worst thing imaginable is for you not to be there when the worship starts. Yeah. Who's your God? Is he this God that Jesus said we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, this, yeah. this high and lifted up, yet, yet he's close to us. He's Emmanuel, God with us. Well, which one is he? He's both. He's both. He is high and he's lifted up and he's close to us at the same time. That's who our God is. Is, is. is that your God? Your fears will tell you whether he is or is not. And if he's not, don't you think it's time to recalibrate your commitments? Don't you think it's time to recalibrate your heart and say, I want that God as my God. That's who I want. I want the God that when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and I look and he says, I'm here. Amen. You're not walking alone. You've never walked alone. Why do you think you're alone? You're not alone. I am with you until the end of the ages. Amen. And then I'm just getting started. I'm just getting started. We're at, I'm just getting your home after that. After that. The party begins. This is your God. Second point. First, you've got to recalibrate your heart with respect to who is your God. Second thing you have to do, you're going to have to have clarity about who you are before this God. When his people get small in light of their own sins, God's primary work in your life is not your best life now. 
Folks, that just, that's, that's the truth. Now, what God is doing in your life, in my life, he wants our hearts just to get entranced with his God-sized vision of who he is. Then he says, now get real about who you are. We've got some work we need to do in your heart. There's some work that we need to do in my heart. We need to get changed. We need to be changed. We need to be transformed. We need to be growing in the image of Christ. We need to see the power of Jesus Christ transforming us. As I tell young missionaries around the world in Portuguese, there's always a conversation in Portuguese, but I said sometimes the most important missionary work you'll ever do is allowing the gospel that you preach to transform your own life. Just let the gospel transform you. And that can, be, that can be the beginning of the most significant missions ministry you'll ever have. Just let the gospel change you. Now, what does it look like when we do that? Let me just read quickly here from James Gospel, chapter 4, and uh, highlight just a couple of key verses here. James Gospel, chapter 4. You know, here's this... You know, Here's, here's the problem. I mean, you've got some folks that basically their God's pretty small, and they're not really letting him do a whole lot in their lives to change them. That's why he starts out with this. What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from a craving? Don't they, don't they come from cravings that are at war within you? You desire, you don't have, you murder, you covet, you cannot obtain, you fight, you war. He's talking about a Baptist church fight. That's all he's <laughs> I mean, that's all he's really talking about, folks. I mean, just, you know, make sure this is the, the living, Frank, uh, this is what we call this the living Franklin County translation. Uh, this, is, this is just a, a Baptist church fight. Folks are just out, they're just allowing sinful natures and dispositions to take control of their lives. It's ruining the fellowship. He continues, you don't ask, you don't ask, you, you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. So that you may spend it on your own evil desires. Adulteresses, don't you know? Friendship with, with the world is hostility towards God. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's great to sing, I am a friend of God. Absolutely zero, nothing against it. Well, are you? <laughs> are, are, are you? Are you a friend of God? There's no real secret. Friends, friends of God act like God. I mean, this is, this, this is no mystery here, folks. Are you a friend of God? A friend of God is going to be looking at sin like God looks at sin. That's what friends of God act like. And so he says, well, you, you can't be a friend of the world and be a friend of God. That's hostility. So whoever wants to be the world's friend becomes God's enemy. Or do you think it's without reason the scriptures say the spirit who lives in us yearns jealously? Do you know why there are so many miserable and unhappy Christians today because there are many Christians that are living in sin. And God's Spirit, His ministry of grace to you and to me is to make us feel miserable until we start to change. You just look at stuff in your life, you're going, you know, I'm basically, I'm an unhappy person. Well, God's saying there's a reason for that. I'm making you unhappy. His Spirit is jealously yearning for your wholehearted devotion to Him. He gives, however, greater grace. Now, there's that promise Pastor Brent, of revival. Greater, greater grace is revival. That's what we call revival. Greater grace, he says this. Now, submit yourself to God. 
Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, your sinners. Purify your heart, you double-minded people. Be miserable. Mourn. Weep. Your laughter must change to mourning. Your joy to sorrow. Humble yourselves before the Lord. He will exalt you. There is grace for the humble before God. Now, when that grace comes, that is a revived heart and soul. Now, you ask, mm, how can that work? How can that work? God's big. All right. All right, you, you proved your point. I got some areas in my life that need to change. How can I do that? Because your salvation is not dependent upon your personal self-help project. It is dependent upon a God who had mercy upon you. He had mercy upon me. It's dependent upon the gospel. Jesus paid it all. Now that is the hope and the consolation we have. So when revival comes, God gets big. All right, we're going to get small. Third point, the gospel becomes glorious good news. You know why? It's for sinners. Folks like you. Folks like me. It's for us. And the message is, well, what is the message? Romans chapter 5. Let me just read it to you real quick here. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. It says it with beauty and with clarity. Therefore, since we have now been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We also have obtained success through him by faith into this grace in which we now stand. I have a new standing. I do not have to be a performance puppy. I don't have to be there trying to please God by my religiosity, by my acts, by doing this, by doing that, by being a good this, that, or the other thing. I am accepted in Christ. Now, is that the foundation of your life? I can tell you what the foundation of that is. Your foundation, you're going to be open and honest about your battle with sin. You say, well, how can I be open and honest? How can I impress my fellow? Wait a second. You're already on the wrong track. You're not impressing anybody with your righteousness. If you think my, you know, my, my goal in life is to make sure my fellow church members here at Doorsville really think highly of me. You'll never make any progress in grace. Second point, you're going to have to get smaller. Amen. You're going to have to say, you know, I am struggling with some areas in my life, but I'm wanting to grow, Pastor Brent. I don't want to stay where I am. I want to move forward. I want to become a disciple. Now, what the gospel says is now you now have a new standing. And you know what that new standing means? I don't have to justify myself. I could be humble enough to say I need to change. I, 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 am, I am now so perfectly and completely loved in Christ Jesus. I can now say, God, begin to work in my life. Begin to make differences in my life. We've obtained it through him. By faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Ours is a, a religion of hope. The final word over your life and my life is not, he's dead, Jim. He is, you know, no, it's not he's dead. The final hope and, and message over our life is in Christ. Holy, holy, holy. He is in the presence of the Holy One. This is what we rejoice. It doesn't matter. Our circumstances do not determine who we are and where we are going. Amen. We have hope. We now know in the midst of the 
greatest trials that life can throw at us, and we have learned this last year and a half, they can throw some pretty big trials at us. We have hope, not only that, we now can rejoice in our afflictions. I mean, I'm just reading the Bible here. I'm not making this stuff up. Why don't you just put it like this? We can rejoice in our pandemic. Yeah. Well, you think God's not in control of pandemics or what? I mean, who's your God? Isn't that the first point? Who's your God? Amen. You're not, your life's not out of control. Who's your God? You rejoice in afflictions because we know God is changing me. Now, look what it says right there. I mean, it's going to produce endurance. It's going to produce proven character. Character produces hope. God's wanting to make you a different person. Now, that's the point we're talking about. You're going, how can I do this? Because you're loved in Jesus. Amen. You can be honest. You can say, I need to grow. I want to grow. And God's saying, grow. Yes. Grow. Become the person I want you to be. Verse 5. This hope will not disappoint us. Think about that first point. Where's your real heartfelt confidence? Bank account? Nope. Academic formation? Prestige in the community? What are you really chewing on? What do you hold on to with more intentionality than anything else? <laughs> Reputation? All these things will... They're going to let you down. We'll let you down. You know that. They're good servants, but they are terrible masters. All these things, all those things I just made, they, they, you can use this to glorify God. I'm not questioning that. You let them be your God. They will disappoint you, and it is yes. just a matter of time. Yes. You will find out maybe one day, a young person, you're talking about what are your values, where you're going with your life. I can tell you the difference between a successful adult and a cynical adult is the choice you make about who you're going to serve. Because everything else will disappoint you. Scripture says this hope will not. Because it is grounded in the grace and the mercy of the triune God. God's love has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We rejoice in the gospel. This is a message we proclaim to all nations, all peoples, in all places. Now, when we begin to rejoice, what happens? Well, you are loved in Christ. You know, you cannot do anything to make God love you more or to make you, God love you less than he already loves you in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, while we were still yet, what? Sinners! Well, you, you think you're some performance dog out there saying, well, if I just do this, this, and this, that'll make God love me. The answer is, you couldn't do enough. Trust me, there are people who are a lot better than you or me at being righteous, and it's not enough for them. There was an apostle Paul who said, what I used to consider to be so important, I now consider it to be rubbish. Because you just, it's never enough. You, want, you ask yourself, why am I never happy? Why am I never satisfied? Because you're chasing stuff that just won't fill the heart. The gospel comes and he says, in Christ you have full and complete acceptance. Now what does this do? Well, when when I really think about the gospel, and I need people, Pastor Britt, speaking into my life, my brother. I need to be reminded of it. 
God constantly had people speaking into my life. If I don't get it, I start going off on my own little self-salvation project once more. And I become that miserable, cynical person that no one wants to be around because I'm trying to save myself, trying to justify myself before other people. And I forget that I am justified in Christ. But when, when, I'm, when I'm receiving that input, then I begin to feel the joy of the Holy Spirit in my life. And when I begin to feel the joy of the Holy Spirit in my life, and Pastor Brent feels, and then others begin to feel it all around, and all of a sudden you go, there is a fire that is, that is burning here. That is what we call revival. And when everyone's beginning to feel the fire of God's Spirit, it's the gospel. The gospel is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, more great, more glorious. You know what you want? You want others to know that. So we want others to be happy with us. Now, folks, I said it's, I wish I could make it more cut. That's why you do missions. Yes. Amen. Missions is just no more than you're wanting other people to be happy in Jesus like you're happy in Jesus. Amen. That's it. I don't have any other way to explain it. So that's where we're going to conclude. Slide four. Let's think about this as we finish up here. Now, I, I told you I want you to think about some things. So as we come to a conclusion here, I want you to think about these questions. These are prayers. Yeah. These are prayers. So as we come to a conclusion here, if you're looking at this and God's Spirit speaking to you, if you've come here today, you've got needs and burdens in your heart. Let me just tell you, I tell this to a lot. Karen can tell you what I'm getting ready to tell you. I tell this to folks sometimes all over the world. There's just nothing much more sadder in my thinking than to come thinking, I certainly wish I could have prayed about a few things. I didn't get a chance to do it. I didn't take advantage of it. Oh, friend, please, 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 don't, don't leave here today. You want to pray? Let's, let's pray about some of these things. First thing is this. You need to pray to God and say, Lord, I need a mentor to guide me. Who, now, who is speaking into your life? There are a lot of crazy things that can happen to brother, my brothers, my men who are here. Listen to me. You know I'm telling the truth. You think about all the crazy stuff you've done in your life. Some of it you might be pretty, pretty embarrassed about, maybe even ashamed. Let me just ask a simple question. Who was speaking in your life when you did those most crazy stuff that you're ashamed of now? You're going, now that I think about it, nobody. I bet you now you understand what the problem was, now don't you? Yeah. Right? You need, we need people speaking into our lives. I just, I just told you I need people to be speaking into my life about how great the gospel is. Because if you just leave it with me, I will get off track. Who is who's speaking into your life? Do you have people speaking into your life? You need if you say, I, I'm not quite sure. I'm not sure. What, well, have you even prayed about this? You really do need someone. You're not going to become a disciple until people begin to speak into your life. Who is it? Pray about it. second. Not only do you need people speaking into your life, you need people with whom you can speak with. Okay, you need people. No, no. Yeah, you need to have people talking to you, but then you need to be able to talk with others. You know, the old Puritans used to say, the most after receiving Jesus as your Savior and Lord, the second most important thing you can ever pray about is, Lord, give me a true friend. Some of you older gentlemen might remember we used to use that phrase, a bosom buddy. That's just a true friend, someone you can just open your heart up to and talk with them friend who will walk beside you so that you do not need to walk in your own inner 
darkness. Sin is like cockroaches. Or if you're like my marvelous younger sister Lori here, sin is like snakes. And you just know, you know where they're hanging out, don't you? In the dark, right? You just know, you know, you just turn that light on, something ugly's going to be there. Now, if you think that's true of cockroaches and snakes, it's even more true of your heart and my heart. So who are you talking with about what's really going on in your heart? Do you have even one, just one person? If you're thinking here today, you know, I've already said, yes, it's a great place. It is a lousy place for relationships. There are, better, there are better countries on this planet for relationships in the United States. Great place to get rich. Bad place to have friends. Uh, who, who are your friends? You need to cultivate a friend. You need to cultivate people that, that are walking with you. Because the only way you will ever have freedom in your life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life in abundance. Life in abundance. I've come that you might have freedom. Now, you're not going to have freedom if you're walking in darkness. And you know what that means. It's simple stuff. It's usually money, sex, power, that kind of stuff. Are you talking with anything about the real challenges in your life? You need a friend. And if you say, I don't have anyone I can talk with like that, have you even made that a prayer priority? Pray that you'll have someone you can talk with. Finally, this. We're going to finish up right here. God, I need a disciple that I can lead to follow you. All right? Someone's pouring into your life. You're in fellowship with someone where you can open up your life. Who are you investing? To who, with whom are you investing your life? I'd ask if you'd stand with me right now. I want us to pray. I'm going to ask Pastor Brent to come forward. Now, this challenge has been given today. If you feel like you need to share a little bit more, you know the fellowship even better than I But I really want you to pray about these three questions because Dorisville Baptist Church has an important part to play in God's mission. But it is essential that before there is mission, before there is even revival, there must be discipleship. And these are the three discipleship questions. How will I respond to who is my mentor? Who am I walking with? Who am I investing in? Could I ask you this morning to make it a matter of prayer? And if you feel like it's the Lord's leadership, please feel free to respond during this hymn of invitation to seek God's face. Let's pray together. Lord, we have looked at your word. I pray your people are challenged, encouraged. Lord, they're loved. They're loved now more. And if nothing else, may your people today have a fresh vision of the greatness of their God, the seriousness of our sins, and the glories of the gospel. And may this lead us to discipleship, spiritual renewal, and greater commitment to your mission is our prayer. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.